On this episode, we dive into the fascinating career of Herb Washington, a former world-class sprinter turned professional base runner for the Oakland Athletics in the 1970s. Discover how his lightning speed and unique role left its mark on the game, revolutionizing the concept of specialization in Major League Baseball. Only on this episode of Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another week and another episode of Rounders, A History of Baseball in America. I am your host, Jeff Lambert. Great to be with you. Today's focused episode is going to be about Herb Washington, this former world-class sprinter who had a brief stint in Major League Baseball for the Oakland Athletics from 1974 to 1975. And even though he had no professional baseball experience, he played as a pinch runner and was a member of that World Series championship team in 1974. After his career, Washington joined professional track and field circuits. He became a successful entrepreneur, owning multiple McDonald's franchises, and he also founded a minor league hockey team to boot. He was also very much into giving back to the community. He was involved in several different organizations. So we're going to explore his story today and look at the impact that he had on baseball with his legacy, with his play. But before we jump into today's episode about Herb, I have a couple things I want to go through with you, little things that I want to share, feedback from you to help connect the episodes together and and help keep building this community. So first thing I want to share with you is your feedback from last week's episode Uh, on both the Spotify podcast and with the email newsletter that the free subscribers get. I ask you to participate in a poll and vote on something related to each episode. So the question I asked you from the last episode, which was about baseball's most unbreakable records, was which record do you think is going to last the longest? It was split right down the middle. 50% of you said that Cal Ripken's consecutive games played streak was going to be the one that stood the test of time. And 50% of you said that Cy Young's career complete games record was going to be the one that lasted the longest. Those were the two top ones out of all the ones we discussed last week. So thank you for that feedback. I agree. I think out of all those, I mentioned it in the episode, I think those would be the top two. I could see someone eventually breaking Ripken's record if they played long enough. I don't think it's physically possible with the way the game's played today for someone to ever break Cy Young's career complete games record. But uh, there you have it, folks. Thank you for the feedback. I also want to take a moment to highlight a comment or feedback that was sent in by a listener of the show. I love to hear from you. So anytime you have the opportunity, if you'd like to share what you thought about an episode, how you feel about the show overall, your personal experience with baseball, or if you just want to say hi, that's always nice too. You can reach me at rounderspodcast at gmail.com. You can leave a comment in the weekly newsletters that you get if you sign up as a subscriber. Different ways. You can can, uh, message me on social media if you want. So I want to give a special shout out to Roman and his sons, Xander and Ezra. Roman contacted me this week and he said, quote, we recently moved back to the States after almost 15 years being stationed abroad. Thank you for your service, Roman. And my seven-year-old son went from soccer crazy to a baseball fanatic overnight. So we've been diving into everything baseball together for the last month. We binged your podcast both ways on a seven-hour drive this long weekend, and we love it. Love what you're doing. Thanks from two new fans, end quote. Roman, thank you for sharing that story with me and letting me know this week. 
And Ezra and Xander, I wish you the best of luck as you start your baseball careers this season, playing for the different levels that your father had mentioned. Thanks for listening to the show, all of you. It's great to make your acquaintance and connect with you. And finally, I want to say thank you to the new free email subscribers that signed up this past week. So a special shout-outs to George P., Jim C., Roman S., Aya R., Phil S., Branham7718, and R. Lanning. You signed up this past week to be a free subscriber to the show. It's great to have you as part of the community. And if you want to take a moment to sign up as a free subscriber to the show, I offer you some perks for doing that. Number one, you get to be a part of this community of baseball and history enthusiasts that we're growing together every day. More and more people join, and I think it's really cool that we're building the collective excitement around baseball's past and its future, too. You also get uh, these new episodes right in your inbox every week, and I include on top of this episode extra articles that you can read about the topic, photographs, videos, and of course the polls that you can give me your feedback on. And it really gives you the chance to deepen your experience with each week's show topic. And the best perk of all, I think, is you get access to our free weekly bonus show, which is called This Week in Baseball History. And that's where I take a look at the most significant events that occurred in the past seven days. Great way for you to keep up with what uh, happened previously. Good water cooler talk, things you can share with other baseball fans. Just a fun little thing that you can add to your week if you're a baseball fan. So all you have to do if you're interested is go to rounders.substack.com. That's rounders.substack.com to sign up. And that's it. So without further ado, let's get to today's topic. Herb Washington, professional base runner. As with most of the biographies that we look at on this show, we start off with a glimpse into the early life and background of the people we're talking about. So, Herbert Lee Washington, the full name of this individual, was born on November 16, 1951 in Belzoni, Mississippi. Now, Herb's family moved north to Flint, Michigan when he was a baby, and his parents did that because they were looking for steady work, and his father got a job in the automobile industry in that area. Flint, Michigan, of course. I mean, that was the automotive capital of the world during the 1950s. So that's where they made their home. Now, Washington attended Flint Northern High School up until the 10th grade. And that's when he discovered that he wanted to live outside of the school's boundaries. So he ended up losing a semester of athletic eligibility because he wanted to just do other things. He wanted to work. He wanted to explore his athletic career. He ended up transferring to Flint Central High School to finish his high school career a couple years later. And it was there he discovered a real passion for running track and field. So he ran the 100-yard dash at his new school in just 9.4 seconds. And this obviously attracted numerous college scholarship offers. So once he graduated, he had all of these options to choose from. He chose to attend Michigan State University because he knew several other African-American athletes who were at the school at the time. Again, we're talking about the 1950s here. And he felt that would be a comfortable place for him to be able to go and pursue an athletic career. So while at Michigan State, Washington was a real up-and-coming runner in the U.S. circuit. And while at Michigan State, he won several NCAA titles, seven Big Ten titles to start with, so conference titles. And then he also tied or broke several times the world record for 50 and 60-yard dashes. 
And while he was in college breaking all of these records, he attracted attention from other professional sports. And at the age of 21 in 1972, he was drafted in the 13th round of the NFL draft by the Baltimore Colts. He had initially declared his eligibility just to see because he had a passion for football. But after being drafted, he decided that he wasn't he didn't want to go play football. And he informed the team that he was committed to going back and playing at the Big Ten conference meet that Michigan State was a part of. And in addition to that, he also made the decision that he wanted to try to make the U.S. Olympic track team for the 1972 Summer Olympics. So he uh, decided not to play in the NFL. He had the opportunity to, and he focused on his track and field career. So fast forward to two years later, he's 23. He was not able to make the cut for the U.S. Olympic track team, and he was out of college, and he started looking for opportunities again. And football made its way back into his mind. And he was offered a position on a new team for a new league that had been established in the United States called the World Football League. And they had a local franchise in Detroit. They were called the Detroit Wheels. And they were offering Washington good money to go be a wide receiver for them. So that looked like what Herb was going to do. He was going to get back into football and he was going to make some money doing this. But before committing and signing a contract with the Detroit Wheels, he got a phone call that he was not expecting at all. And it was from Major League Baseball's Oakland Athletics. So... Before we go further into what happened with Herb Washington and the Oakland Athletics, let's just stop and talk about the Athletics as a franchise during this time. So there was a guy named Charles O. Finley. He's going to get his own episode at some point. He was the owner of the Athletics for a long time. He owned the club from 1960 to 1980. As a matter of fact, he bought the Athletics when they were located in Kansas City, and he moved them to Oakland in 1968. And he was always looking for a way to market his team, to get people in the stands, but to also give them a competitive edge. And one of his favorite strategies for doing this was to add specialists to the athletics roster. And he looked for players who excelled in one or two specific areas. So he was known to bring on players who were really good at bunting. He looked at players who were really good at fielding. And of course, he would look for players who were really good at, you guessed it, base running. And he would deploy these guys in situational strategies. And from 1967 to 1978, there were six different, quote, specialists that played for the A's. So this was a strategy that was uniquely for the athletics during this time. And Herb Washington fit really well into this mold of them bringing people on who could really excel in a specific area. Now, Oakland had already uh, a big name specialist on their team before the 1974 season. He went by the name of Alan Lewis, and Alan Lewis was a big media favorite during this time. He was dubbed the Panamanian Express by the media, mainly because his specialty on the team was stealing bases, and he was Panamanian, so that's how he got the nickname, right? I guess it wasn't too creative, but that's, that's what they came down with. So he was the team's resident pinch runner. He could also field very well, but he was the guy that they brought in as a pinch runner in certain situations from 1967 to 1973. And for the course of his career, he batted 207. He had one home run and 44 stolen bases in 156 games. But at the end of the 1973 season, Finley decided that Allen was just not producing at the level that he felt they needed their specialist to perform at. So Allen was designated for assignment to the team's AAA club, 
and he would never play in professional baseball again. That was it for him. So that opened up a slot for the 1974 season, hence the reason why Herb Washington, Washington got a call. So Finley needed a guy who was fast, and he wanted a guy who was so fast that he could be relied on to add an extra base, to tag up and score even on shallow pop flies, and to steal bases like there were no tomorrow. So let's go back to Herb Washington. Herb gets a call in February of 1974 from Charles Finley, and he didn't know what to make of it. He wasn't expecting this call at all. And he recounted it in an interview. This is what he had to say when he got it. Uh, quote, when I got the message, I thought it was a joke. Then I got paged. And Charles said, Herbie, I want you to play baseball and just be a pinch runner. I said, Mr. Finley, I'm going to need a no-cut contract. I know sometimes you just get rid of people. Finley said, a no-cut contract? The only players who have those are Vita Blue, Catfish Hunter, and Reggie Jackson. Are you telling me you're in the same league as those guys? I said, no, but none of those guys can outrun me, end quote. You got to love the confidence, right? So he and Finley negotiated for days, and they eventually worked out a one-year $45,000 contract with a $20,000 signing bonus. And on top of that, there was a very interesting clause in his contract. And that was that Washington needed to grow facial hair before the beginning of the season. I looked everywhere to figure out why this was in the contract, and I couldn't find out why. But I did find that Washington had particular trouble growing any sort of facial hair. So he actually had to use an eyebrow pencil to simulate full facial hair when he showed up for spring training that season just to show that he fulfilled the details of his contract. So if you know why he was required to have a beard, let me know because I, I could not find that detail anywhere. And I'm very curious as to why, if it was like a reversed New York Yankees facial hair policy or something like that. And Finley was really excited about signing Washington. He immediately went to the press, gave interviews, and he actually said in a in, uh, newspaper interview, quote, I feel Washington will be personally responsible for winning 10 games this year, end quote. So despite Oakland's history of having specialists on the roster, Herb didn't really receive a warm reception from his teammates. And there's some examples of that. So for instance, Sal Bando, who was the team captain, immediately nicknamed him Finley's Folly whenever he was asked by the media about him. In sort of a mocking gesture, right? There was also a prank that was played on Herb when he joined the team where a new bat and glove magically showed up in his locker and the excuse was given was that you're never going to use these, but we want you to fit in with the rest of us. Now, I think the problem that some of the players might have had with Herb Washington was that the specialists before Herb had mostly logged appearances at the plate or they played in the field. They were multi-talented specialists. So great, you can steal bases but you can also field really well, or you can field really well, or you can bunt really well, but you can also, you know, do X, play second really well. So there was kind of a multi-function uh, expectation of these previous specialists. But here you have Herb Washington, no professional baseball experience. He's there for one reason only, and that's purely for base running. And the team owner, Finley, specifically stated that. So here you've got a guy joining the roster, not exactly 
uh, a warm reception that a roster slot was being filled by a guy that wasn't a baseball player. So what were the A's going to do about that? And they thought, okay, he's fast, but we have to help him catch up and learn how to play the game. So the Athletics went out and hired a personal coach just for Herb Washington, and they brought in none other than the great Maury Wills, who was one of the top base runners in MLB history up to that point. So Maury Wills and Herb Washington spent countless hours together during spring training and early on in the season working on his base running skills. And Maury taught him how to run the base paths, when to go full tilt with that track star speed, when to turn on the bases, how to do that properly, and learning how to slide. Washington had to learn all these little nuances, and Maury Wills was the guy to help him do that. So Herb Washington's ready. The 1974 season has arrived. His personal coach has prepared him as best he can to be the difference maker in situations where they needed a base runner. How did it go? Let's just take a quick break to keep the lights on. And we'll be back with the rest of Herb's story right after this. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We've been talking about Herb Washington, his early life, his academic career, his talent when it came to running track, how he almost became a pro football player, but eventually signed with the Athletics. And we're going to look at the 1974 season, his rookie year in Major League Baseball. How did it go for him? Well, in his first season, he appeared in 92 games, and he stole 29 bases. And of course, as I mentioned before, the team ended up winning the World Series that season. And if we're to look at all of the bases that he stole, all of the plays he was involved in, probably Washington's most notable play during that season was that he broke up star pitcher Gaylord Perry's 15-game winning streak. Washington got subbed in late in the game, and he scored to tie the game on a sacrifice fly. So he was the difference maker tagging up and scoring that run, and he broke up Gaylord Perry's 15-game winning streak. He also, during the World Series, got caught leading off of first, and he got tagged out, and there was a lot of criticism that he faced for that. And even though the Athletics went on to win the World Series, those are the two moments, I think, that really defined his major league time in terms of uh, having significant impacts on games. Now, in his second year, Washington was ready to do more. He had made an impact on the team. They had won the World Series, but he wanted to get more plate time and field time. He wanted to show that he was more than just a base runner, and he trained really hard in the offseason, and he wanted to improve, wanted to improve those non-base running skills, but unfortunately, that hard work would never lead to more for him. During that offseason, between 1974 and 1975, athletics owner Charles Finley decided to add another pinch-running specialist to the roster. He signed minor leaguer Dan Watkins, who was in the Montreal Expos' farm system. Now, Watkins was another track star. As a matter of fact, he competed against Herb Washington in college. And Watkins had stolen 224 bags and 340 minor league games from 1970 to 1974. So he had that coming in, that, that established ability to be able to steal bases. And on top of that, he was a pretty good hitter, too. So he had that over Herb Washington once he was signed. And then in addition to adding this other specialist... The A's also made a trade for a guy named Matt Alexander, who also possessed multiple skills. He was a great base runner. 
He was also a pinch running specialist, and he was a good, solid fielder. So here we have a situation where Washington has to compete with two other guys on the team who can steal bags almost as well as him, and they can do other things, whereas Herb was seen as simply one-dimensional, even though he had put in all that practice time over the winter. So at first, with this logjam, the A's owner, Charles Finley, stated that the team was going to keep two professional pinch runners on the roster, and Herb Washington was going to be one of them. The season started, everything seemed to be going okay, but just 13 games into the 1975 season, Finley released Herb Washington. Now, why? Well, uh, some players were vocal about it when it happened. Reggie Jackson, who a young Reggie Jackson, who was a teammate of Herb Washington at the time on the A's, had this to say in an interview. He said, quote, We've got these two new guys, Alexander and Hopkins, and they can do other things. Plus, they run the bases better than Washington, end quote. You also had Captain Sal Bando, remember, who had nicknamed Washington Finley's Folly the previous season. He stated in an interview after Washington was cut that, quote, I'd feel sorry for him if he were an actual player, end quote. Ouch. Owner Charles Finley released a statement after Washington's release, and he said, quote, We hate to give him up, but we have to because, for one thing, the pennant race is a lot tighter this year. We've got to have pinch runners who can steal bases and also do some other things, end quote. Now, Finley also added in that interview that Washington could return to the team later on in the 1975 season or in 1976, but it was never to be. So when we look back at Herb Washington's career, a little more than a season, he played in 105 MLB games total. He never batted, he never pitched, and he never fielded. He played exclusively as a pinch runner. And again, he stole 31 bases in 48 attempts during his career, and he scored 33 runs during his, his stretch. So what is Herb Washington's impact on the game? Obviously, his time in Major League Baseball was short, but he did leave a lasting impact because he was one of the few players up until that time to be utilized for one particular goal, one one specific particular goal, you know? He had this incredible speed and this ability to steal bases that made him a unique and memorable player. Even on his baseball card from Tops, he was listed as a designated runner on his Oakland Athletics card. And that's really quite unique in the history of Major League Baseball when we zoom out. And the concept of a pinch runner, it wasn't new, but having a player on the roster who had one job and that was to run the bases, that was unprecedented. Herb Washington once said that, quote, I was the only one in the world doing what I was doing. It was a lot of pressure. I had to steal every base. And if I didn't, it was a failure, end quote. And I think that that really showed that this was an experiment that was going to keep going. And the athletics use of these specialists and taking it a step further and going with a one-dimensional specialist, excuse me, opened up these strategic possibilities for other teams because they were using one guy as a unique in-game weapon. And it showed that there could be a place on a baseball roster for a guy that specializes, or girl, in the future, for a player specializing in one particular aspect of the game, such as base running. So this was the beginning of a very, I think, significant shift in thinking because traditionally players were expected to contribute in multiple ways. 
and it didn't last long. But we look at the landscape of baseball today, especially when it comes to pitching, but also on uh, regular rosters, uh, hitting rosters, we see players who fit the bill of being guys that can come in and do one thing really well. And Herb Washington was the pioneer of that strategy. So what happened to Herb after his baseball career? Well, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, he joined the professional track and field circuit. He remained in competition until 1976. And then he made a transition into the business world. He decided to open an inner city McDonald's restaurant in Rochester, New York in 1980. And he founded his own company after having success with that. And by 2009, his company HLW Fast Track Incorporated owned 21 McDonald's franchises in Ohio and Pennsylvania. And that made it the largest McDonald's franchisee owned by an African-American at that time. And Washington stayed close to sports after his time ended with the athletics as well. Uh, He founded the Youngstown Steelhounds, which was a minor league hockey franchise, and they played in the CHL, the Central Hockey League, in 2005, but the Steelhounds were actually removed from the CHL in 2008 for non-payment of league dues. So it was short-lived, but we see Washington wanting to get involved with sports during his post-playing days. So even despite that little setback with the sports franchise, he was wildly successful as a businessman after, and he's has a reputation of regularly contributing to his community, of giving back to schools in his local area, and he also has held many executive posts on various boards and organizations in his town and regionally. So that brings us, I think, to talking about what's the legacy of Herb Washington. It's uncommon, I think, to see a player used exclusively as a pinch runner in today's game, but... That stint in the MLB hope normalized the idea of, like I said, using specialists overall and expanding it beyond just usage by one or two teams. So we have clubs begin to recognize the value of having really fast, agile players who could come off the bench and steal bases and disrupt the opposing team's strategy. And his teammates, even the ones who criticized him on occasion, they never denied the specific skills that he brought to the squad. For example, Reggie Jackson, who I mentioned, you know, had that criticism about him when he was released. He also stated in an interview that, quote, about Herb Washington, quote, he could run, man, and he worked hard at it. He worked hard at learning how to get a lead, how to hold a lead, and how to read pitchers, end quote. It's high praise from one of the greats, uh, Reggie Jackson. You also had Ray Foss, who was another teammate on the athletics. He said that, quote, Herb was a true professional. He took his job seriously, and he worked hard at it. We were all impressed by his speed and his dedication, end quote. So I I think in this way, Herb Washington really helped pave the way for future players who excelled in base stealing and for teams to also place a high value on guys that could do that, guys that could steal bases, guys that could come in in situations and be pinch runners. And that, I think, is the impact that we see that he helped foster that is still seen on the modern game today. So we thank Herb Washington for that interesting story about a guy who got into baseball, wasn't interested in getting into baseball, took the opportunity, worked hard at it, and left his mark on the game. Folks, before we end, I just want to make a quick pitch. If you're able financially, I would encourage you, please... um, If you can sign up as a premium subscriber, 
I offer you all of the perks I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And in addition to that, you also get to see the upcoming episodes list to see, uh, you know, what we're planning and what we're working on for shows down the road. You get to vote and have your uh, feedback read in the episode. So I ask our premium subscribers every week, hey, what do you think about this? And I'll actually feature your comments. You can send me in your responses. And it really, I think, on top of those perks, you're helping me be able to grow this show. And I hope someday to be able to turn this into a full-time thing and expand this into talking about sports history in general with other shows, you know? Uh, The sky is the limit, as they say. And you as the premium subs, if you can afford, you know, just five bucks a month, it helps me get there. If you can't, I appreciate the support, nevertheless, of just tuning in and listening to the show, giving me your feedback. That alone means a lot to me. So, folks, until next week, please remember there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. See you next time. Rounders, A History of Baseball in America is produced by Jeffrey Lambert. Our research assistant is Cass Silber. A special thanks to our starting nine supporters, Nathan Halverson and Jack Wilson.